So what is happening now? People who have filed in UK can no longer sell their products in EU because UK walked away from the European Union. So now they're setting up their own procedures and they are they are going through that, which still, you know, by the end of this year, they will be fully separated from European Union. Welcome to CMC Live. This is the show where we discuss CMC regulations and guidances simplified through real-life experiences and risk-based advice. Each episode, we speak with subject matter experts as well as other leading industry authorities. With your host, Ed Narkey. Okay, welcome everyone to CMC Live. Today we have a special new guest and joining us here again as always, Miranda and Brian. Today we have Amber Sheriff on the podcast. Amber is a regulatory affairs and quality assurance uh, expert specialist here. She recently joined our group here at DSI supporting that. She's actually joining us this morning from Chicagoland area this morning. Worked at Baxter Healthcare, Acorn, Marathon Pharma, etc. Today we're going to be talking about a few things. Regulatory pathways in the European Union is, is kind of the overarching subject, some experiences around centralized and decentralized filings for our listeners, Amber. Um, and also Amber will be talking a bit about Brexit and some of the EU um, filing issues and concerns there. So Amber, let's get into this episode, starting by first going into some of your some of the background here, how you get started in regulatory and get your thoughts on some of these things. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Ed. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for inviting me to this podcast. I really appreciate it. If you want to hear my experience, my experience has been pretty long and intense. So uh, I've worked in the pharma industry for 25 plus years, started with uh, drug development and uh, all the way to regulatory quality all the way. Now, I am basically a subject matter expert in regulatory strategies, filings, submissions, process, you name it, I've done it. Okay. So some of the experiences that you've had, I mean, we had somewhat um, recent experience with some of these things in Europe. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about the mutual recognition process versus decentralization, centralization procedures, national procedures, some of those things, and maybe highlight some of the areas around CMC to, to be thoughtful of? So in, the, in principle, there are three procedures for mark, get, obtaining market authorization in EU. One is the mutual recognition procedure. The second one is the decentralized, and then the third one is the centralized procedure. The differences between these three procedures is the mutual recognition. Basically submit to the country, and you have your reference member state. You submit it over there, and once you get the approval through there, you go to the to the other states, and you get separate, separate approvals. So it's a separate mutual and once you get the mutual recognition, you can take that and you can apply to the other states and the member reference states, and you can get the approval over there. So Amber, just for, for my own benefit, once you make that application and for in that mutual recognition, can you then take that same filing content and submit it to the different states, the different uh, member countries? Yes, yes, you you can. In a way, you, you can repeat that and it is called repeat procedure. So you can take that and go to separate states and you can ask them for that. How it also works is also when you, it takes time, but basically that is the main way because 
they are mutually recognized. So you get one and you agree on, they agree on that and you can go through the other one, you submit it separately and you get the approval of that. So you basically target the countries that you want. Oh, I see. Oh, and are there separate fees for each as well? I think there are slightly separate fees for each of them. Yes, yes. And it can be done also simultaneously where you have the rep- reference, you finished off this and you have already aligned that I'm going to, to not, uh, now I've got it, uh, mem- my reference number state was Germany. And then you go to uh, France and you go to Spain. If you've already set targeted these five countries that I want to get approval on. So it is, that's the way. So yeah, you choose one recognition country as a rec- recognition procedure to follow that. And that be- becomes the template effectively for filing in other countries. Okay. Understood. The centralized procedure is somewhat different where if you go to the centralized procedure, um, you get approval in all 27 EU countries. And the other, there are other three, Norway, Iceland, and another country that also are agree to it. So you can get an approval in all of those countries together. So that's the main difference between centralized and decentralized procedure. The decentralized procedure, however, there are some uh, some products that can be approved for that and some that are not, you have to fall into that category for it to be included in that procedure. So there are again, some differences like, anti, uh, like uh, aid medications and all of those things, vaccines, they, are, they can fall into that or you already have an approval for the product in there. So, and you need to follow the same uh, like we have the generic same pathway, then you can fall into that decentralized procedure. So there are some products that can be included and that can be not be included. So that's a great uh, point, actually. I, I always had questions around this. So the, the centralized procedure uh, is mandatory for certain types of products, correct? Yeah. Okay. And then what type of products would those be? Mainly, you said, a few, I think you mentioned a few with the biotechnology processes, any recombinant. You mentioned immunodeficient syndrome um, type products, cancer, neurogenitive disorders. So I, I guess a follow-on question besides the, you know, the, the definition for mutual versus decentralized and centralized, and there's a pretty good description of those on the um, European um, agency's website and some of the protocol and process. Some of the... Um, some of the effects on the CMC development, drug development in that area. Is there anything that you can speak to, you know, in regards to that? Can, can certain things be delayed or discussed differently? You know, could, could some of the information that you use um, in discussions with the US FDA be used? So one of the things that I would say is, you know, with the EU, what, we have to just keep in mind that the more we go ahead and engage them upfront with the scientific advice meetings or any of those meetings, it's more helpful then going ahead and saying that, you know, keeping it till the last minute. So the minute you are thinking of a project or a product or whatever it is, uh, have a scientific advice with them. Tell them what you have initially and ask them the questions. And that becomes the process. And you also have to go ahead and uh, in that process, basically tell them your timeline when you are thinking of uh, when you are going to be submitting it, so they become engaged upfront. I have some just general questions. The difference between regulations, um, you know, when you're d- talking drug development, FDA versus Europe. I've always looked at it. There's a different mentality. There's a, sort of a top-down versus a bottom-up uh, review and discussion. Can you talk to maybe some of that? Maybe things to be aware of. You know, if you're simultaneously looking to file in, in the Europe 
as well as in US? With Europe, if you have uh, some of the products that uh, if you get an approval in Europe, there are testings that you need to do for EU. So if you are developing a product and you basically have both, you, know, you want to target both US and EU, set up in pla place the testing standards that you basically test the product for EU and US. So it, those products, the uh, components, the API should all be compliant for EU and US also. That's the main difference that people forget and then they want to add up in there and then they, they come back and then say that you haven't tested it per EP requirement. So as far as that's that's done, then it becomes easier because the same uh, NDA that you have submitted in US, you can take that and you can submit it for MAA. There are certain differences, very slight differences that if you in the CMC sections mainly that you have to write in the format that they want. Other than that, you can take this and you can submit it over there as long as the testing and all the requirements are met up front. Okay, any specific um, differences or need or requirements? And basically, this it's the same standards of testing that you meet the standards of EU ISO standards, all those things. So nothing major in there. How about any um, additional need for like stability or additional, um, you know, specifications? Is it regional? If you meet the FDA requirement for stability, then you are fine with EU. The one major differences I've seen is basically we do the PPQ when later afterwards, after we have gotten the approval and we are ready to market. In most of the, in both of my products that we, a um, couple of products that I've submitted to you, EU, they want the PPQ done before. So they do want that. And that's one of the things that we have basically submitted along with that. Sure. Yeah. So I know Brian has a lot of questions around the centralized procedure. Brian, did you want to bring in any more of those uh, that we chew on sometimes? Well, yeah. I mean, so when when you're submitting the MAA, is is it a is it a multinational panel that reviews it? Are there certain countries that handle certain aspects of the filing? You you choose the reference member state that you choose the one that you want to. Uh, in uh, it's be it Germany, be it France, be it whatever. And so once you use that reference member state, the others are also rapporteur and co-rapporteur. They are also from the other countries. Uh, that can be chosen too. So they are in the cent uh, centralized procedure, rapporteur and co-rapporteur. The co-rapporteur are the other other countries, one of the other countries who would be participating in the review. And based on that, once they review it and they give you your assessment, that's based, uh, whatever is given to you, you, you respond to that. And that's what is given the approval on. So it's, is the reference member state is the main one. Got it. Okay. So for me, a, a lot of our clients come with um, defined budgets and, and timelines. And, and as you can imagine, they want to get the most out of their, of the most economical path to filing they can possibly find. And, and, and that's our job is to help them get to that point. Now, if it seems to me and listening to you describe the various types of filings that there's, there's clear advantages over a centralized filing in terms of approvals, time to market, everything like that. So are, are there a criteria that has to be satisfied in order to be able to apply and to, to perform a centralized filing? 
if it meets the requirement of what, what the centralized procedure is for, then definitely you can file it. But there are some certain requirements that you have to go ahead and, and uh, follow for, for that. Right now, what we have basically, from my experience, I have gone through both centralized and decentralized procedure. And for the centralized procedure, it is e easier to go ahead and get the approval. And there are criteria, some of the criteria is you, you, you engage them and you send a letter of intent. As long as they say, yes, you are fine with this, you go with that. You do have to send a letter of intent and engage them ahead of time. So from the time that you're ready to submit, you have to engage them seven months before. Uh, European Union do, do not meet like FDA. We cannot just send them and say, okay, we are submitting it this. And they have certain time frame where they meet. And once a month, everybody gets together and they look at what applications are coming in and what they are. So they need time upfront. So if I'm thinking of submitting something in seven months, I will have to engage them, tell them this is what my plans are, and they will give you a slot to say, okay, that's the time frame that you can submit. And if you are not going to meet that timeline, then basically you have to inform them that I am not going to be able to meet the timeline. I'm going to be slipping. Can I go ahead and go to the next month or whatever, how much time frame you need? In most cases, they agree, but if they uh, book uh, full and they have uh, they have given that time to somebody else, they will tell you that no, not now, maybe late the month later or something like that. So that's the other thing. Although they're 12 months, they don't meet all 12 months. There are times that they take off uh, during the time of Christmas or something. So they don't go ahead and do that. That There are 11 times that they'll meet in a year. Two of the months is, um, I think it's the August, July timeframe. They go on vacation and then you will not be able to get anything from them. So you have to be working with them. So this is the other criteria with the European Union that they have specific timeframes and it's all set up the timeframe. You know it. Procedures are much easier, not like with FDA where we do not know when we are going to get approval. They have timeframes they, which they meet. If they say they're going to give you this uh, assessment in uh, 80 uh, preliminary responses in 80 days, they will. And then they, you get it in 120, your assessment over there, and then it's 180 days. So all those times are set. And you know that you are going to get an approval or as long as you have satisfied the requirements. Now, if you need more time in between to respond to them, you can request and say that, you know, I will not be able to go ahead and submit it in three months, but can I go ahead and submit it in, oh, you know, not six months or something. And they will be fine with that. You need to be in direct contact with them. So in that regard, it is a lot different from the FDA, but it really comes down to planning, effective planning, you know, looking at your calendar. Effective right. planning is the key because then basically you know when you're going to get the approval and you will know when you would be able to be able to market. So those are the things that made difference that I see in there. Now with the European Union trying to go ahead and set their headquarters in Amsterdam, they have. But there are some slight uh, delays in there. They not by much, but by a week, which in there in most of the cases was never expected. But now I I do see that some of the things that they are delayed by a week or around a week. If they say this week, so it's not right on that day, but it's the week following that, or so before they were earlier. Also now that's not so. 
so now looking at the climate of things, my experience has been with the MHRA and, and really as a driver in our filings. Now you've got Brexit and the impact of Brexit on the EU. So just when I was about to understand the EU and how everything works, Brexit comes along. So would you mind just providing some insight on the impact of Brexit and what that means for people that are still filing in the UK? How is it done? Uh, what's changed? So what is happening now, people who have filed in UK can no longer sell their products in EU because UK walked away from the European Union. So now they're setting up their own procedures and they are they are going through that, which still, you know, by the end of this year, they will be fully separated from European Union. Uh, their approval is separate than what you will get from the EMA. When you get the uh, approval from for, for, for EU, you can sell it in all 27 countries or you can go ahead and follow the procedure from mutual recognition and go to the other countries and other countries and keep on adding over there. They will be recognized over there. Not so much in UK. They're separate now. If you had an approval in EU, you may have to go back and submit it or again in UK. That is what I'm hearing. It's Nothing is clear now because guidance is still coming out. And from what I heard earlier this September or so is that they are coming out with some guidances that are talking about them following somewhat of the EU procedure, but then again, some standalone procedures for UK only. So the guidances are going to be defined pretty soon. So again, again, you know, now you've got additional fees, you've got additional timelines to consider. It, it's, it's a little bit more complicated. Some of us remember the days before the EU, so it's going to be a little bit like it was, but, um, but okay, good to know. So whatever you were following in MHRA, it is going to be applicable to EU right now. You can still follow the same path, but for UK, it's going to be separate. That's the other uh, the other thing that uh, since the scientific people were a lot of them were in UK, uh, and they were the major part of it since this EMA was based in UK in London. So that's one of the reasons when they moved to the Netherlands, they lost a lot of the consultant of the people that who were ex-subject matter expert. So you can still, if you have a scientific advice that you took from the MHRA, you can still submit it to EU, but I think it's going to be a third party a consultant or something like that. So it's not going to be the major, um, you still have to go for the scientific advice to the EU to get their approval to say that, is this the light, right path? We are not. So Amber, overall, I started off back in the day doing some light stuff for Europe and et cetera, but that's a long time ago. A lot of changes happened. So the way I look at it now, I, I before Brexit even, you know, centralized procedure seemed to be uh, make most sense. You know, what's the benefits, right? So everyone gets authorization at the same time. You know, there's there's a, um, a collective safety monitoring. So all the information's coming in one thing, right? Um, everything was in standard language and et cetera. I, I'm, sort of kind of stepping back what what would be the advantage to do a you know decentralized or mutual recognition and that ha that may have changed with the brexit situation but what are some of the advantages of you know if, if you're even eligible i know centralized you know if you're certain criteria we mentioned this earlier but what would be the advantages of doing a mutual recognition um just not familiar with it is it just a little bit easier a little bit more fluid 
a little bit easier also and you're focusing on one country so if you want to just market in one country then you basically want to go with the mutual recognition and then take your time going through the other countries getting the approval over there instead of marketing in all the european countries just market in one country first and see how it goes then start adding those because the fee are not that high but uh, it, and they are mutually recognized so you have already gotten approval so it's easier in that way a lot of people go that way also is there a chance that you can enter through the mutual recognition a country that has a little bit less requirements for cmc i think people have their own um, ideas on which country is easier and which is not i find that you know sometimes for one product uh, one of the it all depends on the reviewer too naturally some countries are open to it and some asks you questions uh, so i would not be able to say that this country is easier or that country is easier it depends on the reviewers it depends on the are people who are reviewing and how much experience they have all of those So on the same thought then if if is there many regional requirements that you notice that are pretty you know transparent depending on the country maybe somebody's looking for more stability or somebody's looking for something specific around compliance is there any examples that you've come across in the last few years where you've seen certain countries you know kind of focusing on certain areas of drug development uh not not so much they basically if they're um following the standards that they have set uh, all the countries are following the same standards the iso standards or the so there are not much differences as long as you meet those you know it used to be different i think right in the early stages of eu you started to see some of the nuances with um, you know the member nations and and you know for example in the eu it was always you know cleaning protocols cross contamination things like that on the cmc side and they were always got expected questions about that um and i know with with our experience early on with the french it was stability questions and challenges and i think you know this is years ago so i would imagine over time the eu finally has become a bit of a more standardized state the especially the stability part of it they have come out with a lot of the stability protocols and all of those things and so with the stability they if you follow their guidelines and you're doing all of those then they are fine with it there are questions like you know and most of the questions if you're following it you will be able to clarify and clearly answer them so it's it's not that difficult but basically we have to follow uh, their st- um, the guidances that they have put in there uh the q1 q2 q3 q4 whatever all of them you know that if you, as long as you follow their quality and the stability guidelines uh you're you're okay but you have there are also specific uh product that the uh, same way as fda goes ahead and says that you know that this is um this is the guideline for this product this is the guideline for that product i can't think the names of the products but there are specific products and if you f- uh, find that you are falling into that category you have to follow that to the nail um they they will ask you questions uh and in those cases where you have some of those kind of products which have particular guidances is very beneficial to have a scientific advice meeting with them and ask your questions in there give them a little bit about your product uh provide the briefing package and ask the questions and they will give you uh, really detailed answers as to what they are 
expecting. So Amber, um, just just curious, any thoughts on where things are going? If we woke up, uh, we all fell asleep for f- five to eight years and we woke up, where do you see the whole process going with Europe, you know, post-Brexit, some of the procedural stuff, any, any thoughts? So let's just hypothetically say we all fall asleep for five to eight years and wake up. Where do you see the process and the way th- drugs are regulated um, going? And, and is there anything that you see as a trend that, that could you know, take take precedence to become the new normal uh, for the future process. The new norm, I think, you know, uh, between both uh, the mutual recognition that is basically between FDA and EU, I see that coming as uh, more and more becoming a norm. Now you see between the FDA and the EU, there is a mutual recognition where if you basically have um, for for the CMC purposes, I'll give you an example. If you have a plant that FDA has basically gone and looked at and they find that in compliance, EU is taking that and saying, okay, fine. You know, they, So those are the things I think we are going to be merging together and we're going to rely on each other a lot more than before. Um, if uh, EU has looked at the plants and then FDA looks at it and it says, okay, fine, you know, we will go ahead and give our approval based on that. So I think there is going to be a mixture between both the EU and the FDA working together to bring the product to the market earlier than, you know, and not stopping at the things. Uh, I think COVID is another example um, that has uh, that has brought this up to everybody's attention because you see a lot of the traveling cannot be done. So if you rely on everybody to be going there, I think either they're going to be doing virtual or they're going to be going ahead and relying on each other's expertise and agreeing to that. So do you see any um, trends in drug development um, in EU, given the current situation? Do you see um, over time anything evolving um, other than the collaboration between EU and um, the FDA? Nothing brings to my mind that I can see that there is a trend, but I would say that they are basically um, keeping their timelines. So I, we, people are going to Europe more and more because it's becoming in a way much easier to get the approval when you have a time set and say that you are going to get approval in 210 days or whatever, not given that you've done everything. Who, where do you think you would go to? First Europe. And then after that, the next people go to, once you have the European approval, it becomes easier to go to Canada because Canada accepts the EMA approval. So the once that's done, so people are also trying to go ahead and do that, get the EMA, EMA approval first, and then go to Canada. And then lastly, it's the US. So I've seen that trend a, a lot recently. I think also, if I look, if you look globally, a lot, uh, you, you will see um, that EU is a lot more countries from outside are coming to uh, Europe, applications to give them bringing the applications over there first and getting the approval over there and us is second after that so people from uh, the countries like india um the eu uh, and asia from there you'll see their products being approved in eu first i've seen that trend also so a lot of our clients are on a shoestring budget, we call them. So going to EU, would you or would they 
benefit from a centralized procedure or decentralized? Um, I know that there's fees for each. You know, because once you get the approval, you get it in all 27 countries, including Norway, Iceland, and I think Lithuania or something like that. So there are three three other countries that come along with it. So so the, the filing fees aren't extravagantly different. So if they wanted to try EU, um, it wouldn't be a stretch um, budget-wise to go centralized. And the difference is you've got the burden now to market and launch in those countries because you've gotten approval. I mean, you have, it depends on the timing for those activities, I guess, weighs into that decision. Yeah. Or anything, anything you want to talk to us about, like, you know, that people should know about Amber? Any great stories about uh, hist- historical, you know, working in regulatory, any um, things you can share that might um, resonate with anyone growing into the regulatory space? So um, one of the things, you know, um, basically with EU, like I said, you know, if you are planning on the uh, on a submission, just be aware that they are not there for the summer. So if you're thinking that you're going to get the approval in September or August, uh, well, you better think twice. You probably are not going to get it if there are any questions or delays or any of those things. So you have to work around that. And that has happened with us where we basically thought, okay, well, if we miss June, doesn't matter. We'll just go to July and we'll ask them, can we submit it in July? Well, it does not happen that way. So you have to keep those um, timings for Europe because they are very standard. It's not like FDA where we think we can go ahead and slip a month and submit it and they will take it. And it's not the same case as that. That was really hard for me. Yeah, my first encounter with with working with, a, um, it was a German company and, and August was essentially just not on the table. I mean, it really- Not on the table, you know, right. It's, it's not on the table. Yeah, it's fascinating. Too much, a little bit of December too, but what they do is they basically try to have two meetings in November to kind of offset that for December, so which is good. But you know, the August is off the table. And not only that, if you have people working over there, uh, things are closed. So if you have a manufacturing site over there, if you have API manufacturer over there, you're trying to get some documents, you have to be cognizant of the fact that Europe closes down July and August and most of the people, It really does. Yeah. Uh, so you even you, it impacts your application, it impacts your timeline because you cannot get the pro- information from them to even even if it, you're filing a US application. So we have to be very aware of that and keep that in mind. In US we tend to forget that because you know we are working here 12 months or uh, however you want to call it but Basically, that's one of the things that uh, I find, you know, and I've had numerous re- uh, examples of that where we had to kind of go ahead and tell them upfront, by the way, my application is, uh, I need this information over here. I know you are going to go on vacation. So will you have a substitute for you somewhere? So this is with the manufacturing sites or with the API manufacturer, having that up conversation with them up front and making sure that I have somebody over there. Because if my timing is such that I am getting an assessment and I need responses from them, I need somebody there to be able to respond to them. Otherwise, I won't meet my timeline. Well, and I think that that August slowdown, I think it even predated the EU, though, because I mean, I think that was the trend in, in Western European countries, which was August. I mean, I, I know Italy honors the same thing. It just, it, they're there. It's on France. holiday. France, absolutely. They're on holiday. Yes. You know? Yes, they're on holiday. Yeah. You yes. have to respect it. Absolutely. 
that's not th- something that we think about when we are in the US. It's like, okay, you know, you take your vacation when you, when you take it. So it's not a whole country style shutdown like that. So, Okay. So in principle, there's three defined procedures to obtain approval for products in Europe. And we discussed a bit, overviewed a, a few of these procedures on the uh, podcast today. Decisions based on, you know, will depend on the nature of your active substance, a couple other things, target indications, even um, history of the product and your marketing strategy. Amber, thank you again for joining the podcast. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Miranda. Thanks for listening. To read the full show notes for this episode, which include a summary, timestamps, and any links mentioned in this episode, please visit dsinformatics.com forward slash podcast. There you'll find the information from this episode and any past episodes. If you're enjoying this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash cmc live. We'll be sure to read these out on future episodes.